Amen. We stand together in the gospel. And it doesn't matter who knows we're here this morning. Um, We're here to praise the Lord. Turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Last week, we began, and we saw how Jesus, his acts, uh, he acts as the agent of his Father. He does what the Father does. He gives what the Father gives to him. He gives particularly life, resurrection life and judgment. Let's pick up in verse 30 as he continues. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. You notice that he continues the theme of agency here. He is not an independent deity. He is the agent of his father. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the witness or the testimony he bears about me is true. You sent to John. And he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have not heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let's pray. Father, as we come to this text, we pray that you would shine your light upon it 
illuminate our hearts, give us wisdom and understanding, and help our unbelief. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Where can the Ten Commandments be found? It was my first time in a court of law. I was with a brother in the Lord in Toronto a long time ago as a new pastor. And he had recently been converted and had to take some responsibility for some past actions. His lawyer said many things to the judge and then told the judge that his client had become a Christian during his time on the run. The judge was jaded and suspicious of jailhouse conversions. Stand up, he told my friend. So, you have become a Christian. Yes, sir. The judge said, well, tell me. Where can the Ten Commandments be found in the Bible? I don't know, said my friend. Ha, said the judge, and he gave him six months in jail. <laughs> I can tell you, but I've memorized the answer since then. <laughs> Just in case, you should know that answer. I'll let you look it up if you don't know it. Now, this scene that I just described would never have taken place in a Jewish religious court because the claims of the accused uh, were not valid. You couldn't testify on your own behalf. To be legitimate, you had to have other witnesses there to back you up, typically two or three. And we see this reflected in various uh, passages in the New Testament. Remember Paul said to Timothy, don't admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Or Jesus in regarding discipline in Matthew 18, he says, if this person, this brother who's fallen into sin doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, Jesus has already stated he's the agent of his father. He does what the father does. He gives what the father gives. He does nothing of himself. I do nothing of my own, verse 30. There's no separation between the business of the father and the son. There's no competition. There's no alternative deity being offered. Either you choose the Father God, or you choose the Son God, it's one or the other. It's not like that. Jesus is saying there, he's completely dependent upon the Father. And, and there is a Son who is loved by his Father. And he is about his Father's business. And he is sent by the Father. And he is trusted by the Father. And he is empowered and authorized. And he's legitimate. And he says here that his judgment is just. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. And in verse 
30, he says, I seek not mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. I judge and my judgment is just. But he can't testify on his own behalf. So he needs witnesses and that will provide the legal standing. And so he begins to call forth witnesses who will back his claim. And the first is John the Baptist. He says, if I alone bear witness about myself, verse 31, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, he's talking about John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. You, you, you know John, you've heard John, he says. And, of course, John testified about who Jesus Christ was. Earlier in John, he came as a witness, it says, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus, the Son of God. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I baptize with water, but among you stands one you, you, you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And then he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And scripture says, John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said of me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And John said, I have seen and I bear witness that this is the Son of God. He who comes from heaven is above all. So the first witness that Jesus brings to support his claims is John the Baptist himself. And the second witness then is the works that he does. He says, verse 36, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. He's saying, I'm going to tell you something even greater. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. The works of the Father is what the Son, Jesus, accomplishes. And these are a higher witness, he says. They testify that Jesus has been sent by the Father. Jesus would say in this, this gospel, he would say, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. The works that he does in the gospel of John there is the turning of water into wine there's the healing of an official son there's the healing of the 
paralytic. There's the feeding of the multitude. There's walking on water. There's the curing of a blind man. There's raising Lazarus from the dead. All miracles, this gospel recounts to undermine that Jesus is the Son of God, sent by the Father. These works are witnesses. And so Jesus says, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And then he has a third witness, the Father himself, in verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. Why? You do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. So the father, Jewish leaders, they they wouldn't even accept the father's approval of the son. They never heard, they never saw. (laughs) The word of God they will not accept. It's not abiding in them. The word is not living in them. The scripture says, he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. And the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. And then we have another witness, the scriptures themselves. He says in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life the scriptures themselves I mean they love to study the scriptures they love to argue about the finer points this finer point over that finer point but they're missing what the scripture and who the scripture pointed to the Christ It's like falling into a form of bibliolatry. (laughs) God's word is not to be worshipped. God's word leads us to God, who we worship, and to his son, Jesus Christ. It is the son who gives life, because the father has given to the son life, and he gives life what the Father has given to him. The scriptures are fulfilled by Christ. They're fulfilled in Christ. I mean, we love the word of God, don't we? Uh, We study the word of God, and we ought to. But the Bible is not what gives us life. The Bible doesn't save us. It's Jesus Christ who gives life is Jesus Christ who saves us. The living word, the logos of God alive, Jesus. Remember, this gospel begins with these words. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He's speaking of Christ. 
All things were made through him, and without him there was not anything made that was made. In him, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And then, of course, he goes on and says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among you. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, we know there are those who give their life to studying the scriptures in academia, the universities, and, but they have no faith. And they reject the Son of God. They reject him. And yet they study the scriptures. Or we know there are some who might elevate a particular translation over another and they slip into a form of worship of a translation rather than the worship of Christ. I'm very glad that the Lord in his mercy has not left us the original autographs, we call them the original letters, the original books of the Bible as they were written. I'm very glad because we would most likely find a great many would begin to bow before them and worship as idols rather than the Christ whom the scriptures are about. And so he's given us four witnesses here. John the Baptist, his own father, the works that he does, and the scriptures themselves. And are these witnesses not credible to you? Are they not credible? It's not just Jesus' claims, you see. It's, it's these witnesses that he's called forth and all assert that he is sent by the Father and that the Father has given to the Son life and judgment. All assert that he is the Son of God. Is this not enough? They won't accept even these testimonies. Verse 41, he says, I do not receive glory from people but I know that you do not have the love of God within you as he speaks to the Jewish religious leaders. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you receive him. You're not even consistent, he's saying. You receive anybody else, but not me with so many witnesses to me, you still reject me. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another? That's what you're worried about, these worldly, worldly praise from each other. And you don't seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father, he says. And now Jesus does something really amazing. He flips it around. And no longer is he on trial calling up witnesses. 
But now he puts the religious leaders on trial and he calls up their greatest witness that they thought would affirm them. Look at what he says. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. (laughs) Moses accuses you. He witnesses against you. He's not for you. He's against you. This is shocking news to them. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. (laughs) He, he, He wrote of the Son of God. Earlier in this gospel, Philip found Nathanael and said, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Moses wrote about him. We found him, he says. Of course, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus himself says after his resurrection, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself beginning with Moses. And he said, these are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He's saying the Old Testament focused on me. Today is name tag Sunday. We slip very quickly into forgetting each other's names, don't we? I may have known you for 23 years, and this morning I'm still looking down. I don't know what it is. (laughs) You might ask someone their name once, but you forget it, and eventually it's just too painful to ask anymore, isn't it? (laughs) We, We all get that. There are some tricks that you can try. You might try this if you forget somebody's name. Um, How do you spell your name? (laughs) B-O-B. It doesn't quite work. (laughs) Or try this. How do you pronounce your name? Sue. (laughs) Sue. We're not sure we lack confidence. Our name tags testify or a witness today. They bear witness to other people who you are. And that's all it takes for us to call you by that name. And how much more witness has been born the person of Christ, and yet he is rejected. I mean, we can have amazing certainty and confidence that Jesus is sent of the Father, that he is the Savior. Our confidence can be absolute. The surest surety has been given to us. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. The Father testifies. John the Baptist testifies. 
The works that he did testifies. The scriptures testify. They all tell us who he is, that he's the savior. And he gives life. He gives light. Things are so quickly changing in our world. In our own lives. You might find this true in your own life, that things are in flux. And you might be going through some upheavals in your relationships, in your employment perhaps, challenges with with kids maybe. And it's so good to know that there is one who never changes. Yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same, Jesus Christ. And our faith in him is well-founded. It's not just a ethereal faith. It's not something we pulled out of a hat. And it is well-founded on a solid rock. It's founded on the witnesses. And you and I, in these changing days, we must be willing to pay the price of hostility, of censor, to pay the price of rejection, or controversy, or isolation. Because we do not reject this Christ. We receive him, as we're told. There is no name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He alone is the Christ, the Savior sent by the Father. There is no other. And it is the exclusivity of this claim which our community hates. They hate the exclusivity of his claims and they will not abide it. And they bring pressure to bear on it. They will not abide it because the word of God is not living in them. It doesn't abide in them. But you and I, we will stand because his word abides in us. The writer of this gospel said in chapter one, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who received him, who put their faith in him, acknowledging that these are credible witnesses that he is the son of God. Receive him, believe him, and listen to him, obey him, follow him. The writer of this gospel said this, he who saw it has borne witness. So he's adding his name to the list of witnesses. I saw it, I bear witness. And his testimony is true. 
And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. This is the disciple bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know his testimony is true. And then these words. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. This is what God the Father says of his son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, with confidence in this uncertain world, with surety and with faith, we declare that your Son has been sent by you to do the work of our salvation, to, to die for the forgiveness of our sins, to be raised to life and in his hands you have placed life for all who will trust, repenting and believing in his name. Oh Lord, give us the joy of that confidence when we are down, when we are distressed, when we are depressed or in our own life, things are in flux and turmoil. We know that there is one who never changes. And our faith is in him. Thank you for the life that he's given to us, resurrection life, now and forever. That, and we will be raised from the dead. and that we will be with him forever and ever. Father, those who don't know you this morning here who have rejected you and your son who will not believe the witnesses, we pray that their spirit would be broken and the walls they have built would be breached that you would soften their heart of stone and help them to know Father their own failings and their own sins and their need for forgiveness their need for a savior help them to know the only savior is the one you sent 
your, your son, the son of God, Jesus the Christ. And so we pray in his name, amen. I'm going to uh, just read before we close in song here because there's one more witness. There's so many witnesses to Jesus, but there's one more witness. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, Jesus said. There will be great earthquakes in various places and famines, pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. He said, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Add your own name and witness the long list of witnesses here this morning. Add your name and bear witness wherever you are to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing together. Stand.